Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. I am so thrilled that audible.com is my new sponsor. They'll be sponsoring this whole week, and they're giving you all a free 30-day trial of Audible, which includes not only their audiobooks, which they're famous for, but also guided wellness now, podcasts, and so many Audible originals. You have to go check it out. I even have my special URL, which is audible.com slash Zibby. How cool is that? So you have to go check it out so that they know that people who are listening are actually listening to this. <laughs> audible.com slash Zibby. And you can even text Z-I-B-B-Y, all lowercase, Zibby, to 500-500 to get your free trial. So go do it now. Um, I don't know about you. I love listening to audiobooks um, when I'm walking my new dogs, who are my former mother-in-laws, when I'm putting away the laundry and doing all that stuff. Um, I love I Eat Men Like Air by Alice Berman. I listened to Where the Light Enters by Jill Biden to prepare for her episode and Jamie Lee Curtis's Letters from Camp. Um, anyway, you should definitely go to Audible and go to audible.com slash Zibby and get your free month of fantastic listening. Thank you. Arden Marine is the author of the memoir, Little Miss Little Compton. She's an actress and comedian and became a new cast member on Showtime's Shameless season seven. She recently appeared in the world premiere of Steve Martin's new play, Meteor Shower. As a comedian, Arden tours across the country and co-hosts a comedy show in Los Angeles called The Tinkle Twins at Meltdown Comics with Dana Gould. She appeared on Chelsea Lately over 100 times and is a regular panelist on At Midnight. She was a cast member of Mad TV for the final four seasons and is the host of the Nerdist podcast, Will You Accept This Rose, about the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchise. She's been in Orange is the New Black, Key and Peel, Inside Amy Schumer, Reno 911, Two Broke Girls, The Gilmore Girls, and many others, including films like Bachelorette, Wrong Cops, and Wrong. She can next be seen in the feature film Extracurricular activities on season two of the CMT show Still the King. And she recently filmed a pilot for the CW called Insatiable and a pilot for a talk show with Kate Walsh called Get In My Van for the Pop Network. I hope you enjoy our podcast. I sure did. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Arden, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. it I was so excited to be asked. So thank you. I'm a fan. Oh my gosh. First of all, the care package you sent with us a while, it was like months ago now. And I was like, this is going to be so fun. (laughs) Anybody who's like cool enough to put their worst middle school or lower school picture on a puzzle is- My kind of, that's really awesome. <laughs> that was what I actually wanted for the cover. Like I tried to recreate, I mean, I did recreate my sixth grade photo and I begged for them to put that on the cover and they wouldn't. 
And you know what? I actually love the cover. Like I think I got the right cover and I think they were right. But I was excited. I was like, well, I, I can't have recreated that and just have it go nowhere. So I was like, I'm going to do a meet the authors with me and my cat, Mittens. It's perfect. I, I love how you got it in there. It was perfect. <laughs> and also I, when I watched you jumping up and down on Instagram and you were like, I wrote a book, I wrote a book, I wrote a book. <laughs> I was literally like, I wanted to applaud. That was so cute. And you can just tell how proud you are. And it's so, you should be that proud. It's an amazing accomplishment. I mean, I truly, for anybody out there who is an author or like a first time, so, just, so with somebody who's never written a book or is writing... I have to tell you, I am so short attention span theater. The sheer fact that I've always been sort of in life, I could make magic in short periods of time, but I've never been like the long distance race. If I can't finish it in one sitting, I I generally wouldn't do it. But I will say for anybody out there that's an author who, I had this fantasy that if you sold a book and you wrote a book that it had to get people, you know, that an author gets up and they have their breakfast and then they log in at 10 and they're done at four and then they go on a walk and then, you know, have a brandy and watch, you know, some classy thing on television. I really particularly in the beginning, it was almost like, okay, you stay in your corner, I'll stay in mine page. Like the blank page was like, I was sort of cautiously approaching it like a caged animal. And I would in the beginning just do 25 minutes a day at first, but I would do it, I would time it and I wouldn't go online and I wouldn't, you know, check my texts. I wouldn't be calling anybody. And and it was just facing myself 25. And then eventually I could do a little bit longer, but it is a, if anybody who knows me, it is a huge accomplishment to actually just allow the process. Like, so I started with the word count. I mean, I had a pretty aggressively structured proposal, which gave me the format, but, you know, I was so overwhelmed. I started with the word count and I printed it all out and then I sort of organized everything. And then I just allowed for it to be a terrible first draft. Like I was going to Michael's Crafts and I was just getting glue and felt and yarn and sparkles and that just to trust that I had to just get the material. And then when I had the all the words out, then I went through chapter by chapter and really made sure to tighten and shine each one up and then made sure the flow of the arc of the narrative made sense. Wow. Well, it came off as like one really cohesive story. And the part that I found really interesting, I mean, it was all awesome. And your description of where you grew up and your dad, Willie, and you know, he was like right off the page. I feel like I got to know him so well. It's foibles and strengths and weaknesses and all the rest. But it's almost like how the book kind of developed unintentionally because you were talking about your life and then things like happened through the writing so that you could even say, and while I wanted to make this like a beach read, now it's yeah. serious, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> but so poignant and moving. And I don't want to like give anything away that happens later, I guess, but you I know, mean, your life. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not, a, I mean, yeah. So it, it does start out, it's an interesting thing. You know, this was a book that I've been trying to sell for a while and I had this unusual upbringing and I had, you know, and I think it's sort of like a small town life. My parents married on a dare. I had this sort of very salty dad who's, Almost like, you know, 
He's a great literary character, maybe not so great in person as a dad, but like a great literary character. But I thought I could sort of tell this funny story. Yeah. And if, if you read it, there's a twist at the end that was not part of the original plan that I thought it would just be sort of like a fun, you know, female comedian, funny. Here's all my most embarrassing stories. Here's my quirky upbringing. Here's my Dorothy going to Oz, like how I go from a town with a general store and make it onto a sitcom. Like, here's all that fun. And then an event happens on the day that I find out that I've sold the book that alters the entire DNA of it. And I actually think made it a better book. I agree. I mean, made Not life trickier. I wish, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I know that you know, I mean, I know what's going on with you. I know you know what that's like, you know, and, you know, it's an interesting thing, you know, I mean, we can talk. I don't know. I don't know. If, what do you think? Is it giving stuff away? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to say because it's your life. So I guess anybody who knows you would know what happened. But I mean, so basically, so here it's it's sort of this fun beach read for a while. It's this funny story. It's very fun, you know. And I was talking about, you know, and in, in, in it, my dad had passed away and I was sort of writing about that. And it sort of got, you know, it took me about a year, but I was feeling better. And then the proposal had been, you know, getting shopped around. And I was, I'm on the show Insatiable on Netflix and we were back filming in Atlanta. And like, you know, this is like 18 months after my dad had died. Nobody could get in touch with my mom. And like, she had just died making breakfast. She just died. And then I remember, so I had to go home and on the way to the funeral in this tiny town, I got this email from a publisher that was like, hope you're having a great week. We're so excited to do this book with you. And, you know, this has been something I've been trying to sell for a few years. And then, you know, it was so strange that of all the versions of what the book could be, she was barely in the proposal because she wasn't quite as noisy of a figure but what I really think, I think it became her book. And then my friend who read it, she's like, Arden, it's not your memoir. It's your momoir. Mm. And I think, I mean, I'm sure you're going through something similar, but like the experience of, you know, when somebody dies and when somebody dies, is sort of fun and beloved, like people tell you stories about them. And so all these stories were told to me that I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that she was the den mother of my brother's Cub Scout troop. I didn't know that she'd made a flip book. Like, you know, I grew up in this town with like fishermen and lobstermen. I mean, it's as small as you could possibly imagine. And she was like, okay, boys, like today I'm going to teach you how to put on a Broadway musical. And she made a <laughs> flip book and like just things like that, that I would never have known. And so it, I think it really became sort of a fun tribute to all it takes is one person rooting for you. And that like, I had this you know, my parents married on a dare in Manhattan and they they never went on one date. They married on a dare for vacation time. And, you know, so it was, it was just this odd upbringing. But if you just have a sort of, just takes one person who's like, protect your light, go for it, encouraging you. Your mom was like such... I want to say like such a hoot. Do you know what I mean? Like she's- She was, was a hoot. It was so funny. Even like the clips that you put on from when she would call in and you would talk about her as a real estate agent. And I don't know, she just seemed like so funny. And you clearly had such a affection, not just affection, like mother, daughter. I feel like it's such a general term, like, oh, my mother this. But yeah, it like doesn't do justice to like the crazy people these 
people are in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like she was like, you know, quirky and funny. And then you build her up so much in the writing that when you get to the part with like the teacup on the counter, it's just, you want to just cry with you, you know? That, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Again, like you're one of the first people who've read it. And like, it's an, like I've had a few friends who, you know, are like comedy friends and I'll get this, te- you know, they'll tell they're like, oh, ha ha, I'm reading, da, 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 your dad is eating his sheet cake diet, blah, 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 you know, like, and then I'll get a text that's like, oh my God, I'm in tears, <laughs> like, you know, and I thought, okay, you know what, for me personally, I actually, I feel like, okay, that means, like, I'm proud of that. Like, I'm not trying to make my friends cry, but that, that it could be, you know, it's an interesting thing growing up in New England you're sort of taught to not keep secrets, but for me, I grew up kind of keeping things funny. And then I actually will say it was my podcast, even my comedy, I was never super personal in my standup. And doing the podcast, I host this very silly bachelor podcast. And and I don't know if you're, I mean, I don't know if you're having this experience now, but like both of my parents died in season. So it was like both of them died on Saturdays. The bachelor airs on Mondays and then I record on Tuesday. And I've always been fairly private about my personal life, but there was no way to hide that I wasn't in the studio and that I was like in my family den and I'm with my brother. And so I just made up my, I allowed myself to cancel anything I wanted to cancel. And I wanted to do that. And I felt, I felt a real kinship with my listeners and we chose to do the podcasts. And it was interesting. It actually became I was worried I was going to freak people out, that it was going to be too much, that people are going to be frightened by that information, that they're like, lady, we just want our bachelor news. We don't want to hear that your dad died in your your family. Like, what are you doing? Are you a psychopath? And it actually, I felt people were like, thank you so much for talking about, you know, what's going on. It helps me, you know, I have stuff going on or it helps me to see that you're still, you know, moving forward. So I was pretty honest about my path there. And I think it allowed me on the page, I feel like each time, whatever you want, like the universe or the creative spirits or whatever, I think are encouraging me to feel safer and safer, exposing more just of my heart or the truth. And it doesn't have to be malicious, but that by telling your story, like it doesn't have to just be the funny parts. And that that is, makes it a better story. Yeah. You can still appreciate the funny parts, but yeah. It's almost like, I don't know, it's like looking at a very pretty tree, but you don't see the roots or something. Like once you can see the whole thing, then it's even more like majestic that it can rise. Do you know, I don't yeah. know, it sounds ridiculous, but I don't know. So there's something about seeing the whole thing. Yeah. What maybe other people can't really see all the time. And then it makes it deeper. And then you enjoy the comedy more or something. Do you- yeah. I mean, the people that I, the people I appreciate are, like sort of lay themselves out. And and I don't know, it was, it was an interesting thing even just to, again, I think, you know, I feel like the world is, the world is so bonkers. And even before 2020, I mean, like, it's like life is a journey, you know? And I think just to know that everybody grew up with some stuff, everybody has stuff, even if it's the most, it looks the best or like, Every, everybody has some comp, a few cards in their hand that are complicated that was dealt to them. And I feel like just the, 
the humanity and the connection. And again, I kept trying to, I have a very close friend who's this wonderful playwright, Tom Diggs. He's like my classy friend. He was nominated for a Pulitzer. And I kept calling him as I was writing this. He has two things he kept saying to me because I've, you know, written scripts and things, but he kept saying to me, Arden, each piece reveals to you how it wants to be written. And that it's not the same strategy for each piece. And then he said, and then when I was debating, you know, telling, you know, my dad was tough and he was entertaining if he wasn't your dad. He was funny. Like he was beloved by friends and like neighbors, but he was a tough dad. And I was asking him, I was like, you know, I don't want to throw somebody on the under the bus. I don't want to throw somebody under the bus that's not here. You know, like I don't want to tell somebody's, He's like, and so he just kept encouraging me to be like, is it necessary? Check your motives. Why are you telling it? Is it your story? Like, like how much of the, can you reveal it? Sort of not, not to be Pollyanna, but like, like a lady. So you're sort of letting people know sort of what's going on without having to like throw somebody under the bus. And I felt like that was like, that was one of the things I'm, I'm proud of. I know my brother hasn't read it yet. So we'll see what oh no. Okay. I kept asking him if he wanted to read it. And he was like, he, and I said this, but the part that might be hard. I mean, I was, you know, he was tricky and Alaric, my brother, he's so sweet. And he was like, he's like, look, I know he was a tough dad. Like, so I just, you know, you, I don't know. It's that balancing act of like, what's like, here's the real story. Here's the story. Yeah. You, you yeah. did include a nice, like, my brother's a great guy and he turned out great. You, I feel like you said something like that. Towards well, the end. <laughs> it's so funny about my brother too, because like, I just love my brother. And I so, like, did you grow up with boys? Did you? I have a brother, yeah. So like, to me, if you grow up with boys and, you know, like, we wrestled, we were, we were both equally horrible to one another. Like, I, he was... Like we were both tiny, no one was in danger. Like we were both the runts of the litter. So like, but that's sort of the fun of having a brother. But I, I remember the published, like some of the people I think did not grow up with boys and they were like, I think they thought that I had like this tough brother and I'm thinking, no, that's just a brother, you know? So I think I had to say for any, any woman out there who didn't grow up with a brother, this is a very nice person who, yeah. <laughs> this, you know, this is the eighties and the eighties, like you, you, you're like little, you know, peanuts characters, like pick, just rolling around. That's the deal. Totally. I feel like my brother used to like hit me all the time. And I remember yeah. telling this to my husband and my husband's like, he was three years younger than you. What are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. That's just what happened all the time. I don't know. We just like fought. And uh, it's kind of fun. Like there was something like, who else on earth can you fight with? Yeah. Well, of course now when my kids fight, I'm like, stop. But anyway, when you talked about how your mom wanted four kids and he didn't want any kids and they compromised yeah. it too. But your dad was like, okay, well, if you want to have kids, like that's your thing. Yeah. And then you said, so like my mom, my brother and I were like a threesome and my yeah. dad was just like there, which paints the whole picture. It's like, okay, like that's, he just didn't deal. It wasn't even personal. And no. yet, you know, he was aware and this is like what happened almost. He would just say like, from the time, he would just be like, I told your mother she wanted to have kids. She had to deal with you. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, it's, you know, it wasn't interesting. I mean, I don't know if it's also like dads of that era. Like, I didn't really know a lot of my friends' dads. But I will say mine, 
I think mine was harsher about it, you know, but it was just, if you don't grow up in a different house, you're like, okay, like that's a dad. Like that's, you know, and thankfully my mom, my brother and I were such a team that, and we had so much fun and it literally felt like the three musketeers and then there was like a dude that lived in the den, you know, and like that, and like, which was fun. You just sort of like didn't go into the den. I just hang out with my buddies and that, that was sort of, and that was a very openly the deal. Yeah. And then you even say like, everybody gets dealt a different hand in life and some people just aren't meant to love or they just don't know how to love that well. And that I mean, part like made me so sad because yeah. that's, I mean, that just made me sad. That hurt. I know. <laughs> it, me too. I mean, that was what was interesting when my dad died. I remember feeling, it's an interesting thing. And I, and I actually feel like that's, you know, look, I certainly didn't think my book would be coming out in a global pandemic. <laughs> But I actually feel like it is a good book for this time in that I do think it's a fun, funny, lighthearted read, but I do think there's an honest, I feel like the world is kind of collectively grieving and there's some, and it's different. Like everybody has different experiences, but with him, it was sort of, I thought it would just be a relief because he'd been sick for so long. And it was the grief of failure to launch of like, why did this, it never happened. Like, and I, you know, there was never that come to Jesus at the end where like, I'm so sorry. You know, it just didn't happen. And, you know, I guess just wanting to tell anybody out there, you know, look, is, I just speak for myself. Like, I am okay. I am okay. I am okay with, you know, it doesn't mean that there's not hurt in the heart for that, but that it's okay. Like, there's other people in my life that love me and like, he just couldn't do it. Right. And then even with, you know, with what happened with my mom this year, you know, I know a lot of people are walking through all sorts of things right now that were, no one could have imagined. I mean, and, and the way it went with my mom, it was literally my worst nightmare and what I'd pictured. And I got to tell you, there was a weird grace to last year, even though my world was on fire, I would say there was a certain there were certain gifts to it, which I write about in the book too, of like when I'm such a people pleaser. And like, I found that with both parents, one of the gifts of grief was I literally feel like I had no skin. And so the upshot of that was like, it was very clear to me, like who I wanted to be with, who I didn't want to be with, what activity sound like that. I still knew I needed to have a little fun, like what felt safe and fun. And what was like, no freaking way, you know? And I couldn't force myself to say yes when in the past, as such a people pleaser, I would have made myself or go, oh, I should do this or I don't want to hurt their feelings. And it wasn't that I was rude about it, but that my one of the gifts of it is I felt like it really separated like the, what is it, the shaft from, I don't know. With the wheat from the chaff? The wheat, yes. Like that you really, it just became clear of like, what can I eliminate? And like, what makes my tail wag? What is joyful? What feels good? Like there's a, I really loved the grace of that. And like, you're very present. There's like time takes on a different quality, which I think is happening globally right now anyway. And that like, I just had to really slow down and listen to like next indicated action. Like, what do I need? And, you know, I'm such a doer. I get things done. And it's like, how about, half speed. How about just lowering the bar? How about your best is good enough and it may not be perfect and like done is better than great. And maybe you're going to be late to your little gym class and maybe you didn't send that email, but like, okay, you're doing the best that you can. Like, and I think, 
I don't know, like there was some magic to that that I wouldn't wish on somebody, but that if God forbid your world gets set on fire, like like I, I just said, you'll be okay one day. This too shall pass. It won't always feel like this. I feel like you're just, you've just been like dropped down to talk to me directly <laughs> and then pretending like nobody else is even listening to this. No. <laughs> so thank you. I was like, you know, your book and Grief Island and like all the stuff you went through, it helps to hear someone else's story. And I'm sorry you had to go through it all. I mean, really, truly hundred percent, like from the bottom of my heart, sorry. It's just being able to share it and tell it and experience your own version of, of something you couldn't have imagined. It just yeah. somehow helps everyone it else. It really did. I mean, I, and it's so strange, but I really, again, this book was supposed to be a fun- and not to say it's not funny. By the way, it is very no funny. funny. No, it's, it's super funny. funny. You and know I'm what? Sorry. How about I'm this? Just... Stop. Stop. <laughs> if you don't want to get to the sad part, stop after I go to England. <laughs> Literally most of it is hilarious. Yes, eighty-five percent. Yes. So like this is most of it is like a, it is the fun yes. beach read, and then I'm so sorry. just just stop it after chapter eighteen yes. and then just skip the last two chapters. Yes. <laughs> but I but there's even hope in that. I, but I will say like again, growing up in this very sort of waspy New England family that doesn't talk about emotions and doesn't talk about feelings, I really felt for whatever reason the timing of the sale of this book like that this would never have been my path in life, but like somehow normalizing grief of nobody talks about it and that it's okay to feel sad and that you don't have to feel not sad right away. When people try to, I can't handle the she's in a better place. That one was the one I was like, I can't do that. Like I can't do the better place one right now. <laughs> like, But that, you know, that there's, for me, each one took about a year and it was, and it was like, oh boy, here we go. It's almost, my friend likened it to getting strapped. You, you go to like Six Flags and like when you go on those, those roller coasters that the things come down and lock you in, it's like, well, I didn't sign up for this ride, but it's taking me. So, <laughs> so I think here I have some tips in the book of like how to kind of survive your own grief island and maybe even have some joy in it because there was some grace, I think, with people. For me, the key was being around people where I could be not okay. And that actually made me feel more okay. That if I, if they were not afraid that I was, like, that it made me more, like Debbie Ryan, who wrote my foreword, the delightful star of Insatiable with me and, you know, the star of Jesse. And who would have ever thought that this wonderful 25-year-old Disney star would be the person that, like, you just, but she just showed up. And, you, you know, we were in Atlanta filming and, she wasn't afraid of it. And we would go roller skating and she would take, we'd go out for tacos and we'd go to like the roller derby and like we'd go do karaoke and like, and it was okay if I was a little bit out of it, you know, that it, I didn't have to be on point. And I think for so much of my life, I think particularly growing up in kind of a quirky household, trying to look normal or trying to fit in like everybody else and there's such a grace of just being with people who are like, come as you are, girl, and like, put on your sweatpants, but here's some glitter roller skates. And we know you're not great, but come on, honey. We're not scared of you. We're not scared of you in sweatpants. Come on. We love you anyway. Come on, honey. <laughs> it's yeah. so true. The people who end up coming through in times of loss, not coming through, but the people that you feel like the most connected to are never, I feel like not never, but are rarely the ones you expect. And it could be total strangers. <laughs> and sometimes the ones you expect, like can't handle it. Like that's, right. you, you don't know, but yeah, know. it's truly, it was honestly, it was all of the kids on Insatiable. It was the entire like teen cast, you know, they, the, there's a story, there was a boy on the show that was like this teen heartthrob who was 
absolutely adorable, Michael Provost. And I remember, and again, by the way, 18, 90% of this book is not this, but- Right, right, um, yes. Don't be afraid. But this boy, Michael Provost, he, one day he showed up at my Airbnb. He texted me. He was like, what are you doing today? And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be writing my book. You know, I'd said no to all these fun things. And he showed up at my doorstep and this sweet teen dream had made me a lasagna. And I was like, he goes, look, I didn't know what to say to you. And I thought about it. And I remember when somebody in my town would pass, my mom would make them a lasagna. So I went on YouTube last night and I learned how, and I baked you a lasagna. He borrowed his mother's baking pan and he made me a lasagna and he showed up. He was 21 years old, you know, 88 million Instagram followers. Like truly, like, like, like he could have gone to a bar legally. He's super popular. And this young man went inside and baked his, grieving adult lady co-star lasagna and brought it over. Just that people can be, there's so much goodness. There's so much goodness. Yes. That's the best part. That's the best part of the whole thing is seeing all the good and all the connection and and all that behind the scenes, so to speak. Absolutely. And you never (laughs) know. Behind the music of, you know. (laughs) Behind the music of teen dramas on uh, Netflix. True story. True. Oh my gosh. Arden, I feel like I could talk to you all day. I feel like we're just like scraping the surface and I had so many quotes and all the rest from your book. But anyway, I loved talking to you. I love that you gave so much advice along the way of like people, what they should do when they're writing a book and all of the rest and your journey and loss and humor and how it all combines. And anyway, it's just a true pleasure to chat with you. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm, can I have a, can I have a little giveaway for your listeners? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I've partnered with that. There's a premier collectibles. There's a thing with authors. So you can get a, for the first 250 people, you can get a signed book and a little Miss Little Compton tote bag for the cost of the book. If you go to ardenmarinebook.com, A-R-D-E-N-M-Y-R-I-N book.com. So the, for the first 250, you get the tote and the signed book. And then for the second 250, it's just the signed book. So get them while they last. Well, I'm releasing this when your book comes out. So I'm worried that maybe they'll be gone by then. But they hopefully- might be gone. Then just go, then go to your local bookstore and su- support an independent bookstore. Yeah. Or maybe they'll still get it. We'll try. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. We'll try. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Zibi, you are a delight and you're so much service to so many authors and so many people. And I was so excited to come on your podcast and I hope to meet you in person one day. I hope to meet you in person one day soon. Hi. All right. Hang in there. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks again so much to Audible for being my sponsor. You can go to my site at audible.com slash Zibby for your free trial month of Audible. You get all their audiobooks and podcasts and uh, guided meditations and Audible originals and just so much. So go check it out. Please, please, please. Audible.com slash Zibby. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.